This Week in HPC. Semiconductor industry seeks to reboot IT. And Intel invests in quantum computing. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is distributed in partnership with our friends at top500.org. Michael, how's it going this week? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? Doing fine, thank you. Michael, uh, we found some things on the research side this week in HPC, and I want to start with this paper that you were calling my attention to, put out by some semiconductor industry groups, the Semiconductor Industry Association, SIA, and the Semiconductor Research Corporation, SRC, a new paper from August 2015 entitled Rebooting the IT Revolution, a Call to Action. This is a big paper. What's in this paper? What's the call to action? Well, there's a lot of things in this paper. Um, it purportedly covers uh, sort of what's going on with the, the big data trend going on in the industry right now and how that's going to play out over the next several decades. Uh, they talk about specifically about uh, the Internet of Things and big data and, and the, the analytic side of it, the high-end computing needed to, to support that infrastructure. So sort of uh, it, it goes sort of from one end to the other, the, the right. small devices, the sensors that are part of the Internet of Things, all the way up to you know the supercomputers that are doing the analytics analytics on, on the data streams that those um, those things are providing. Well, as, as a problem statement, that's something we certainly agree with. That's been a cornerstone of a lot of our research and a lot of our presentations on how big data is affecting HPC and everything else. That is a master trend. What you get with big data is all these other trends like cloud and IoT and mobile all feed into the larger big data trend because they all increase data or they increase the accessibility of data. Right. And and the problem that, that this paper is is sort of looking at is sort of the exponential growth of these trends and how it's going to affect the industry and sort of how uh, that the trends will lead to a state where it's going to grow beyond the technology's ability to, to keep up with it. And of course, we hear about that in HPC all the time, the power, I mean, HPC traditional, the power and computing uh, problems there that are not keeping up with with what's going on in the technology. So and they talk about some of this. This is this is HPC related as well, obviously, because of the the uh, the connects here with the analytics and the yeah. uh, things of that nature. But they're basically saying, you know, the, the storage, the memory is growing exponentially, the demand for that's going to grow exponentially with the, these big data trends uh, having to do with the Internet of Things and other things. Um, that energy uh, Usage is growing exponentially, growing beyond what the technology is going to be able to provide. So, so we'll say something like, you know, they made a statement in here, computing will not be sustainable by the year 2040 when the energy required for computing that they envision will exceed the estimated world's energy production. So things like that, things that, you know, cannot be sustained. So what they're calling for is something else. And and that's where I think the paper gets into a little trouble because it's calling for a lot of things. But I think the thrust of it is they want uh, government investment with with uh, industry partners on taking 
what we have now in semiconductor technology and related technologies into sort of this post-Moore's Law era. Now, they don't talk about it that way very, very well in the paper, but I think that's what the gist of this is proposing. They, they, want, they think they need government investment into basic research uh, to have some post-semiconductor uh, IT world that, that uh, needs to be created to keep up with the demands of, of, of this big data world that's, that's growing by leaps and bounds. Well, I think you put your finger on it here, Michael, is that they're asking for a lot of things vaguely, but when you try to get down to specifically what there is, the one thing that, that does get highlighted, even in the executive summary, is that calls for the need for a national computing and insight technology ecosystem with the acronym INSIGHT, get it, INSIGHT, uh, that uh, talks about the need for government investment in this initiative. And without it, there's, there's this silly chart that vaguely shows growth in what? I don't know. They're, they're claiming all these fabulous companies that come online, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Uber, because of all the great advancements in semiconductor technology, but that if we don't fund this insight program at a national level, that that semiconductor advancements will tail off and you're never going to have any more advancement in the industry ever again, which sounds like hyperbole to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that chart is 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 problematic. I mean, uh, and it's not it's not very well explained even what that, what those lines mean and what the what, what even the axis mean. But yeah, the, the implication here is without government investment in the basic research uh, in computer technology, they're not going to you're not going to be able to see the advancements and growth in the industry that we've seen before. And you know, people have posited that before from the, you know the death of Moore's law and that I think is trying to reflect that that the death of Moore's law you know coming up in several years is going to flatline the industry and not everybody would think that but um, the possibility of that I think is scary to a lot of people and to the groups that these uh, that the people are represented by by this the authors I think uh, you know would like to alert people that with government funding, you know, they could maybe do a lot more and not have to tail off, not have that flat line or even the possibility of a flat line. There, there are, there's alternatives beyond that. Well, I, I reject the flatline premise to begin with. The idea that semiconductor companies will stop innovating unless the government invests in basic research, I, I think is is uh, uh, that that's that's not credible as a claim to me. I think the semiconductor industry right now is the most competitive we've seen it in the last thirty years, and you know, competition breeds innovation. Uh, you know, maybe it'll come from Intel, maybe it'll come from AMD or NVIDIA or IBM or Micron or TI or, you know, an FPGA company, somebody's going to come up with great innovations that are going to move things forward. They might have nothing to do with Moore's law, but advancements in high performance computing or supercomputing or, or IT in general have not always been based on Moore's law. There are other ways to innovate. We've done it in the past. I think we'll continue to do it in the future. This paper does not make a good case to me as to why we need a, a government-funded, an NSF-funded initiative to bail out the uh, semiconductor industry when it comes to innovation. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that they're looking to bail out the semiconductor industry, but I guess I'll agree with you and then disagree with you some. I mean, I agree that 
you know, the semiconductor industry is a vibrant industry. There's a lot of money there. Um, they're doing their own research. You know, why do they need extra money necessarily to do their their business? Um, but but the underlying thought that a lot of a lot of the revolutionary innovation in a lot of industries, including the computing industry, has been done on the backs of government programs. In fact, the you know a lot of the original computing uh, or semiconductor technology was done under the auspices of government programs and grew out of that. The internet itself was a government program. Everything grew out of that. So it's not like the government didn't have a role to play in. The, these revolutions, it's just um, once they get established, you know, the industry takes it on. And, and I, I guess what you have to buy into here is that we're coming to an end of an era and there's no revolution like that that the the industry is going to be able to come up with. I think that's a question mark. I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I think the industry is vibrant. They put a lot of money into their own research. They might come up with a lot of answers that will push the industry forward. But I think there's also a possibility that it might not. There might be more, you might need more investment than than the commercial vendors are willing to put out now, and it might need some government uh, input here. Well, I mean, I'm not against government programs to uh, to push the limits in high performance computing and supercomputing. Uh, we've we've seen these initiatives, but they should have clear goals and reasons why you're doing them. I think, and and this one, I think the paper just fails to make the case for me as to what as to what this initiative is and what it would accomplish that wouldn't otherwise be accomplished by uh, by by companies on their own. Right. I, I would agree with you there. I don't think this paper makes a good case for that. I mean, they're, they're all over the map. They want to they address energy-efficient computing and, and sensors, cyber-physical systems, intelligence storage, communication systems, security, manufacturing, next-generation manufacturing, and then something they call insight computing. So they want to basically do everything. And some of these things might not necessarily need... Uh, need help specifically in that way. I think if they had focused on, you know, what they think the government should do in the areas of basic research around getting uh, around semiconductor alternatives and money to put in beyond that, I think there's a better case to be made for that. But that's a that's sort of a smaller initiative and a, and a smaller focus than I think what this paper's about. So uh, we're probably talking about two different things there. But we might be. And, that, and then I guess the last shot I would take at this is if someone had asked me what we really need in order to uh, advance the ecosystem around high performance applications or big data related applications. If I had one chip to spend on it, I would probably spend it on software before I spent it on anything to do with hardware. I don't, I don't think that advancing the semiconductors is the thing we need the most. Yeah, I, I would agree with that in the short term. I think software is the, is the, the short-term solution we should be focused on. Now, realize this paper is looking out decades. I mean, it's, it's looking out to 2040, and there the hardware becomes more important. But yeah, short-term, I think for both HVC and big data, uh, that's, that's the area that, that needs a lot, of more, a lot more focus than we've given it.
All right, Michael. So we've got this report that talks about the semiconductor industry in general. But meanwhile, we've got a different uh, story about Intel, and they're spending, what, $50 million on quantum computing research. Wait, what? I mean, in the context of this other story, <laughs> right. what the heck is this? That's a, that's a juxtaposition of what we are just talking about. So, so the, <laughs> the thing we're just saying is we need government uh, intervention here. And then Intel's going to go on and, and spend, drop $50 million and it's not even a, a U.S.-based uh, research initiative. Their support is through Delft University of Technology uh, in the Netherlands and a Dutch organization for applied research there. They're going to invest $50 million there to help accelerate uh, advances in quantum computing, which Intel and, and sort of other semiconductor companies are interested in. Um, so they're putting they're putting their money into that, and $50 million is, is, you know, in the scheme of things, is not a whole lot of money for the quantum computing uh, research, but it's a lot of money for, for these two groups, certainly, and, and it's going to advance that research there, I think, uh, quite well for uh, for what they're doing. Yeah, well, all right, so let's separate the two things. Let's talk about just this story for a minute. And, you know, quantum computing is something that continues to get a lot of attention. We've done stories on this podcast about D-Wave and increasing the number of qubits and the, the quest for real quantum computing and things like quantum entanglement. So uh, Intel, uh, you know, making sure it's got all of its uh, bases covered, uh, you know, investing in some of the basic research here with an academic partnership to try to advance understanding of quantum computing. I think that's that's a great uh, uh, great program. It's a great example of corporate investment and uh, and corporate academic partnership to to move the state of the art. I you know I think quantum computing's got a long, long way to go. Obviously, uh, yeah. But uh, but this is the kind of this is the kind of investment you'd like to see. And it's something that will pay off over decades in the future, or it won't. But this is the kind of program you need to find out if it'll work. Yeah, it, it is a long-term uh, investment. In fact, uh, the Intel CEO, uh, Brian Krasanich, wrote a blog about this and says, you know, quantum computing will take at least, he thinks, will take at least a dozen years to fulfill. So, this is not a short-term uh, investment for Intel by any stretch of the imagination. They're, they're definitely looking long-term here, um, but they see a lot of upside potential. In fact, this is part of the Insight report. They, they called out quantum computing as a potential technology that would fulfill one of, a lot of the goals of, of you know, sort of the post um, you know, sort of von Neumann style of computing that we've been with for the past 50 years. So, uh, yeah, this is this is one of the technologies with a lot of promise. And, you know, the semiconductor uh, industry, both in, in the large and in the small with Intel, sees the value here. And Intel's making its own private investment here. <laughs> and, and like you said, ironically, without any help from the government, in fact, they're yeah, right. Yeah, this is what uh, they're doing the on the run. That's the part that bugs me, right? Is it, it's not that there's anything wrong with the investment, but you get these uh, this SRI and SRC, and Intel's a big member of it. And I don't mean to pick on Intel. It could be any of them. IBM is a company that's got you know great R and D, and we've sure. seen IBM with with their own huge R and D projects, or right. they, like Watson. I mean, this right. is 
big time R and D coming out of out of these companies. So to me, they haven't made the case that without government investment, they're not going to be able to continue to innovate. You know, I mean, Brian Kurzanich is doing interviews where he's saying that Intel is an innovation engine, and he should, and he's right. Yeah. Intel is an innovation engine. So you know, th- that was where it fell apart for me in the going back to the first story. And you know, where have you made the case that we need government investment in order to keep innovation going in semiconductors? Yeah, and, and Intel has a huge R&D budget. I mean, this $50 million is is really just uh, pocket change for them. They've, they've got a much larger budget. We talk, You talked about IBM. We talked about that last year when they announced they had a, a $3 billion R&D budget, which is going to high-end computing over a period of five years. That's real money, $3 billion. Most, right. most of the big companies, when you talk about Intel, IBM, HP, uh, you know, even Samsung, they have very large R&D budgets uh, that that you know are are as big as as most government investments would even think about and they're doing it on their own because they know they they need to invest for the future even if it's not the near term uh, for their 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 roadmap, they've got to invest beyond that and look like uh, Intel is doing a dozen or more years uh, into the future to keep the the business going. Or if you want to see what's really going to drive a lot of the innovation at the high end, I would start looking at some of the hyperscale companies. So we've talked about right. uh, you know Google and Baidu and Microsoft, right. Facebook, Apple. You know right. have these huge R and D programs to try to to move the move the needle on some of these new initiatives. So I, I think innovation is far from dead. Moore's law or not? No, I agree. I think the real question is how much how much government investment do we need to keep these to keep innovation on track? Do we need a little bit? Do we need a lot? Is the is the industry going to be able to do it all? I mean, probably not. I mean, we've already seen at at the level of traditional HPC, they're investing in in. Uh, Programs because they don't think that the industry itself is going to build exascale computers on their own because the market there is not big enough. So, uh, right. it, for general IT in general, for 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 chips and 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 memory and and general infrastructure, that's not really the case. That's what they're talking about the the volume production. But but what what basic research is needed that the vendors are not going to be able to do or won't do? Right. Uh, because it, it doesn't pay for them to do it as an individual vendor, because it'll just be applied to everybody, and they won't get their investment back. You well, look it's, at it's, a fun, it's a fun pair of stories, Michael. Yeah. It at least gets the debate going, right? Which is what we really need in this space, and I, and I guess that's the thing to be grateful for. Yeah, I, I think I think it does get the debate going. I think there are questions about this, and people I think fall on on different sides of it. But it's not an easy question to to answer. I think there's a there's a lot of variables here and and the the role of the government is not well defined here anymore and and maybe getting less so. All right. Well, thanks, Michael. It's a, an exciting conversation, as always. Well, <laughs> you always say, we'll wait and see how this plays out. I guess in this case, we'll wait, you know, 30, 40 years and we'll yeah. come back on a podcast <laughs> and tell you how we did. I'm, 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 I'm in for that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 